Welcome to the Chasing Dramas podcast, the podcast that explores Chinese history through historical Chinese TV dramas. This is Karen. And this is Kathy. We are diving into episode one of Hogong Zhen Huan Zhuan, or Empresses in the Palace. So what are we going to do here first? We're going to start off with a recap for the episode. It'll just be around five minutes or so. And then we will go more in depth on the major characters and key scenes that we want to discuss and analyze. So let's kick this off with how the show opens. The show opens and it's year 1722. Yong Zheng, who is the emperor, is recently coronated as emperor and were first introduced to this massive display of what court looks like during his time. We meet two officials. The first is Nian Geng Yao. The second is Long Kodo, both of whom are promoted by the emperor to higher ranks within court. As they leave the court, Yong Zheng's primary eunuch, Su Peisheng, comes out to give medicine to Nian Geng Yao as a gift from the emperor for a battle wound he has sustained. They exchange pleasantries, and we find out that Nian Geng Yao not only just got promoted, but he also has a sister who is a concubine in the Hougong. Later in the evening, the emperor is in his primary residence. His mother, the empress dowager, or Tai Ho, stops by. And she mentions that he only has three sons, while his father has 24. It's time for a selection, or Xuanxiu, to bring more women into the palace to help produce four sons. We are next introduced to the Empress, or Huang Hou, the official wife of the Emperor, and Hua Fei, the Emperor's favorite consort. The Empress asked Hua Fei to stop by her quarters to discuss the preparations of the Xuanxiu, or selection. This conversation ultimately ends on a sour note, and Hua Fei reluctantly leaves with a servant girl the empress has given her in tow. We are then finally introduced to our main character, Jin Huan. She is praying at a temple, hoping not to be selected for the palace. She is 17 and does not want to marry anyone wealthy or powerful, but someone who loves her. As we know, this is more or less wishful thinking. (laughs) Otherwise, we would not have a drama to watch. However, when a childhood friend and imperial doctor, Wen Shuchu, asks for her hand in marriage, she politely rejects them, saying that they are more like brother and sister. And he is very devastated about that. We are also introduced to Shen Meizhuang, another young woman who is also preparing for the selection. She and Jin Huan are friends. Just before the selection, we have a scene between the Empress and the Emperor. She is very pleased that he is having dinner with her, but points that it is important to not eat too much of a favorite dish. This self-restraint should also be applied to people. The Emperor hears this and becomes annoyed because he knows that she is talking about him spending perhaps too much time with Hua Fei. He leaves and actually goes there instead, leaving the empress dejected. After all of that, it is now time for the selection. How the selection works is that you are presented to the emperor and empress dowager. 
so the emperor and his mom, who then decide whether or not you get to stay and are worthy of being in the imperial palace. We are introduced to two girls who are going through the selection in addition to our main character, Jin Huan, and her friend, Shen Meizhuang. These two young ladies are An Ningrong, who comes from a poor, low-ranking family, and the other, Xia Dongchun, who is of a much higher social status. An Ningrong accidentally bumps into Xia Dongchun, which deeply offends her. Drama ensues, and, of course, Jin Huan, our heroine, comes to the rescue. When everyone finally calms down, they go into the procession for review by the Empress Dowager and the Emperor. By a stroke of luck and her good manners, An Lingrong gets chosen to stay, even though originally the Emperor didn't want her. The arrogant Xia Dongchun is also selected to stay. When it's time for Shen Meizhuang and Jin Huan to be reviewed, Shen Meizhuang's poise and beauty are enough for the Empress Dowager to select her to stay. Lastly, dun dun dun, it's time for Jin Huan. She kneels before the Emperor and Empress Dowager. The episode ends on her deliberation. Well, that was the episode in a nutshell. Let's start discussing some key scenes and introduce some key characters. Let's first introduce the Emperor, Ai Xin Luo Yin Zhen, or Yongzheng Emperor, who is portrayed here by Chen Jianbin. So I also just want to make clear that Ai Xin Luo is the last name of the ruling family, and Yin Jin is his birth name, more or less. Yongzheng is the official title that we in history know him by. So this person's name is Ai Xin Luo Yin Jin, but for all intents and purposes, we are going to call him more or less by Yongzheng, unless specifically stated as needed by the plot. Exactly. And also, I seen Julo, for those of you who, when you listen to it for the first time, this does not sound like a Han name. And because, as we've mentioned before, this is uh, a Manchu ruling family, I seen Julo is a Manchu last name. Mm-hmm. Yongzheng was the fifth emperor of the Qing dynasty, and he was born in 1678 and ruled from 1722 to 1735. So that means he was 44 when he ascended the throne and ruled for only 13 years. He came to power after a famous coup where the story is that nine sons each plotted to become the heir apparent. In the end, Yongzheng reigned supreme, which speaks to his cunning, his intellect, and his ruthlessness. So as we mentioned, Yongzheng is portrayed by Chen Jianbin, who is actually a pretty well-known actor before the show came out. He, he acted in some dramas that were very well-regarded, like Qiao Jia Da Yuan. Yes, and he's like a very established mainland um, actor, I believe. And so what happens is, though, if you see a picture of him, if you aren't following the drama along and just listening to this podcast, you look at him and you're like, hmm, he's not, he's not super hot. He's not, you know, very attractive in this show. And you're like, he has smaller eyes, his face is round. <laughs> and also, if you actually watch this drama, he's, um, he doesn't show a huge amount of emotions. And so when this show came out, 
a lot of people were, there was actually quite a lot of controversy um, because people were like, how could all of these women, these gorgeous women too, (laughs) (laughs) these gorgeous women in Hong fight over this guy who pretty much is called a jianbing lian, which means pancake face. And <laughs> so that, that was really funny. All the comments literally were about him being pancake face, jianbing shu, or pancake uncle. And so, but I do want to point out that, as Kathy mentioned, Yong Zheng was 44 at the start of this show, where Chen Jianbing, the actor, was around 40 when this started. So it was actually very age-appropriate. And when you watch the show to kind of understand that the emperor is a very cunning and strategic type person, you'll understand that the um, acting style of not having too many emotions was actually on purpose. So I support the decision by the director and the actor, even though, unfortunately, Chen Jianbin, the emperor, had to be called pancake face for a lot of this. Now let's actually talk about the opening scene um, now that we've introduced who Yongzheng is after that long digression. The drama opens with the emperor in court and there is a brief introduction of two men, Long Kuduo and Niang Geng Yao. These are two historical figures who are crucial to aiding Yongzheng to win the throne. In this scene, they just got promoted. Niang Geng Yao is a member of the Han Chinese Bordered Yellow Banner. He is a top-ranking military commander and brother to Hua Fei. Long Keduo is a member of the Manchu Bordered Yellow Banner. He was the younger brother of an empress to the previous emperor. So you could say that he is an uncle of sorts to Yongzheng. This scene specifically, this court scene, is also a more realistic depiction of court than most Chinese TV dramas since Everyone, all the courtiers are outside, and the eunuch has the whip to start the proceedings. Now, let's discuss Su Peisheng. So he is actually someone who I think is very interesting. Su Peisheng is the eunuch that gives medicine to Nian Geng Yao on the orders of Yong Zheng. Su Peisheng is Yong Zheng's primary eunuch, and he basically governs all of the eunuchs in the palace. And he is actually one of the few eunuchs who has a historical record. His burial site is in a known location, which is very rare for eunuchs because in history, the and you'll see in the show, the life value of a eunuch isn't very high. People are killed and beaten and, you know, just forgotten all the time. So for this eunuch to have a place in history is actually very impressive and, like I said, very rare. Anyways. Su Peisheng in this scene is viewed as a pleasant servant. He is bowing to Nian Geng Yao and he is being very respectful. But Nian Geng Yao is fully aware that Su Peisheng is essentially the emperor's messenger and perhaps one of his most trusted advisors. Basically, you can't piss off this eunuch because he is by and large an extension of the emperor. Su Peisheng actually wields enormous power within the palace as the head eunuch, and we will see that further on in the show. I just wanted to highlight this as something that you need to kind of pay attention to as you watch this drama. So with that, we just met some of the main players in the imperial court, Qian Chao. The next scene that I want to analyze is the discussion between Yong Zheng and 
the Empress Dowager about his hokong, his imperial harem. In this scene, the Empress Dowager comes to Yongzheng's study to kind of discuss his hokong, but doesn't directly pressure him to go. Instead, the Empress Dowager mentions that the Emperor's father had 24 sons. Our current emperor only has three. And right now, it is time to start adding children. And to be fair, three sons at 44 with several concubines is actually a pretty low number. What is revealed here is that this emperor, Yongzheng, is not necessarily a philanderer, which plenty, and I mean plenty of emperors in Chinese history have been. He actually spends a lot of time actually doing his job and ruling the country and doesn't focus too much on the pleasures of women. This is true to history. Yongzheng is known for being a workaholic and having significantly fewer children than his father. Well, I mean, it's hard to have more children than his father because his father, I think if you look up, had 55 or so children, which is impressive. (laughs) (laughs) What is fascinating here is that in Western culture, you have one wife who is responsible for running your household, and bearing your children. Yes, as the man, you can have mistresses, but generally, the children of your mistresses cannot inherit. If you want legitimate sons, you may need to resort to extreme measures, like Henry VIII of England. In China, however, at least in the palace, you have one empress, but the emperor can have many concubines, and those children from those concubines at least in this dynasty, in the Qing dynasty, can inherit the throne. And this was the case with Emperor Yongzheng, this emperor here. Going back to the scene, Tai Ho, the Empress Dowager, frames it as having children is his duty. And because of that, we need more women. I want to point out that this conversation is super transactional. There is no discussion of love, just, hey, is this woman or whoever you have in Hogong right now, able to produce healthy babies. The Empress Dowager even bluntly says that some of the women in Hogong are too old to have children. And she finally gets to the reason for coming tonight. She wants Yongzheng to have the selection. So what is the selection exactly? Here's a little bit more information. The selection or xuanxiu, which literally translates to selecting beauties, generally occurs once every three years, and it's a way for young ladies from prominent families to enter into the palace. Translations may vary, and I think the um, Amazon version of this, the Western version, translates this to the audition. It could also be, I think Google Translate translates this to audition, but we will call it the selection. I like selection better. This practice has actually been around for thousands of years. I think if you look back to the Han Dynasty, even 2,000 plus years ago, there were instances of xuanxiu. So this isn't something new, even though it kind of sounds so weird that every three years you have women being selected to be, you know, your concubine in in the palace. Yongzheng wants to bring more ladies in from the Han Banner families. Again, so this is recognizing that there is a difference between the Manchu and Han people of court. 
He's basically trying to be strategic about solidifying this Manchu and Han connection. Now, there is a big distinction. These Han ladies must come from the Han Army of Eight Banners, or Han Jun Bati. Basically, these banner men or banner families have been designated to be a part of court. They couldn't just be plucked from the street, more or less. There was a rule that Manchu bannermen and regular Han, so people who are not in this army of eight banners, Han army of eight banners, could not intermarry. This rule wasn't law, and it wasn't strictly enforced, but it did limit who family members from the banners could and could not marry. Well, Tai Ho, the Empress Dowager, agrees. She's very savvy and knows what her son is doing. She does remind him, though, that just because new people are coming in does not mean that he should neglect the ladies who are already there, especially the Empress. Okay, that sounds very nice of her, but didn't she just tell him to get more women? <laughs> we also want to point out that the Empress Dowager is related to the Empress. So it's all about politics and keeping power within the family. That's the scene that we want to discuss to talk about the selection. What does it mean? What, what are we setting off in motion for the drama? But let me now introduce the Empress Dowager. Wu Ya Changbi, the Empress Dowager, and we will refer to her as Tai Ho from now on, is portrayed by Liu Xiuhua. She is the mother of Yongzheng and was consort to Emperor Kangxi. She had two sons, the fourth prince Yongzheng and the 14th prince Yinti. Both of her sons participated in the bloody fight for the throne, and unfortunately Yongzheng and his brother were on opposing sides. Yongzheng won, and let's just say that Yinti is no longer in the picture. We'll see in this drama, and in real life too, that Tai Ho was a very, very smart woman. She knows exactly what's happening in Hougong, even though she seems very mellow and very nice. We'll see throughout this drama that she knows exactly what shenanigans are happening within Hougong. And because she's been through it all, especially, you know, her son going through this coup and finally gaining the throne. Um, she sees more than just what's happening in Hougong. She sees also how um, things and actions tie to court and how, what that means for ruling the actual empire. Okay, now we get to my favorite scene in this entire episode. This is where we are first introduced to the Empress Huang Ho and Hua Fei the emperor's favorite consort. Why is this scene important? It is because you see how battles in this drama work and how people are going to have to survive purely depends on how good you are at thinking on your feet and responding, which I realize I probably would be very bad at. And there are multiple rounds here. So we kind of see how each of these ladies do in fighting with each other. The first scene, or the first round, starts by Huang Ho thanking Hua Fei for coming over to her palace during Hua Fei's normal afternoon repose. Hua Fei responds by saying that she doesn't have the luck of Huang Ho of being so free. Is there something Huang Ho needs? Basically, Hua Fei is saying that I have work and you don't. What kind of empress are you? Huang Ho ignores this jab and asks Hua Fei about preparations for the selection. 
And of course, Huafei wants to show off that she's prepped and ready to go. Why is this significant? Because generally things that relate to Hougong are overseen by Huang Hou. In this instance, however, Huang Shang, the emperor, gave Huafei the reins for this event, which gives her a lot more authority and undercuts the authority of Huang Hou. Huafei, therefore, cannot wait to start showing off and saying things like, uh, Huang Shang wants me to be frugal, but I can't lose face for him, so I have to make money appear somewhere. How will anybody know my pain? Of course, Huang Hou has to put on the serene face and doesn't say anything. Okay. Huafei just comes in and just barges in, and I think Huafei wins this round of, uh, let's say, verbal sparring. Huang Ho doesn't have anything to say back. She, she, she can't rebuke this because all of this is true. So on to round two. Huang Ho offers Huafei some desserts, which I don't really know why, but okay. Huafei pauses at first, obviously because she doesn't want to eat anything. But just before Huang Ho tells her servant to force desserts on Huafei, Huafei tells her own servant, Song Zhi, to pick something from the options. And what does Song Zhi do? Song Zhi drops the plate of desserts. That is hugely disrespectful to Huang Hou, and you can be severely punished for that. Like, bludgeoned to death punished. But you'll see that I th- you'll see that Huafei more or less suggested Song Zhi do this because Huafei is taunting Huang Hou. Yeah, it takes guts, and only someone of Huafei's rank and uh, favoritism from the emperor can allow her, her maids to do something like this. Anyways, Song Zhi drops to her knees and begs for forgiveness. Huafei's reaction is to say, oh no, she's so clumsy. If Huang Hou doesn't punish you, I will. Pay attention to the smirk Huafei still has on. It's because saying this puts Huang Hou in a corner. If Huang Hou punishes Song Zhi, the servant, Huang Hou will seem too xiaoqi, or petty, and not regal, which makes her lose face. And pretty much everything in society is about losing or saving face. Well, what does the empress do? Huang Hou initially lets it go, and it seems that Huafei wins this round again. She protects her servant and is also able to avoid having to eat desserts while also disrespecting Huang Hou. So it seems like it's 2-0 to Huafei. But Huang Hou is not going to let this go. Her servant disrespected her and Huafei's been super arrogant. She needs to do something. She starts to say, oh no, don't worry about it. Song Zhi is too senior to be doing stuff like this. Let me introduce you to this new servant girl, Fu Zi. She'll do this for you. As soon as Huang Hou says this, Huafei's smirk turns into a scowl. Of course she doesn't want this new girl. Who is she? She could be a spy. She's definitely a spy. Huafei says, no thank you, but Huang Hou is not going to back down, and we see her very sweetly turn the tables and say, oh, Fu Zi needs to learn more about being a good servant, and she can learn from the best with you. This is a praise, so Huafei can't say anything, and she cannot say no at this point. And that's why the fighting is very passive-aggressive, because you pretty much have to be very 
sweet, but also deadly with your words. Huang Ho definitely won that last round. And here comes the final kicker. Just as Hua Fei is about to step out, Huang Ho says, It's great that we're having new ladies coming into the palace. They will have some healthy children for the emperor. Hua Fei actually begins to tear up. Because why? She does not have any children. No matter how much Hua Fei wants to show off her money, her status, she does not have the most prized possession in Hougong. Children. She will now have to compete with younger and possibly prettier women for the emperor's affection. Hua Fei was so wrapped up in how much power she had, planning the selection, and trying to put Huang Ho in her place that she forgot what the consequences are for the selection. And these consequences are definitely not lost to Huang Ho, and she now makes sure that Hua Fei does not forget it either. So with that, as Hua Fei is leaving, Huang Ho just kind of even the odds. So I think this battle overall, if we counted 2-2, was a draw. I do think that we see how evenly matched both of these ladies are. So looking back on this four-minute scene, you do learn a lot about each of these two women. You know, Huang Ho is composed and regal and serene, but she's not going to be walked over. She's not going to be a Mary Sue. Hua Fei is glamorous, but can be brash and, you know, very power-hungry and not afraid to show how much power and favoritism she has. Huang Ho has the power of being the almighty empress, but Hua Fei has the favor of the emperor and has money. They each know the other's weaknesses and will not hesitate to strike. But after watching this again, I just want to say that all of this drama that happened was totally unnecessary. The only real piece of information that Huang Ho perhaps needed, which I think that she could have gotten on her own, was to know how the selection preparations were going. The rest was literally the two of them fighting and trying to show off who is superior. Like, there were no other consorts or concubines in the room. None of this really had to happen. Anyways, as Hua Fei is leaving, she gives an annoyed glance to Song Zhi, who then promptly yells at the new Fu Zi to move to the back of the procession. The two interesting pieces here are that you see just how strong the relationship between a master and her servant can be. Just a pause or a glance, and the servant knows exactly what to do or say on behalf of the master. This relationship is important for every master to have. The second really interesting piece is that, dang, people are so two-faced. If you didn't see the actual scene, pretty much Song Zhi, who was super meek in the scene earlier in front of Huang Ho, immediately turns around and is just flat out nasty to Fu Zi. It's impressive how quickly people turn. And also Fu Zi should, uh, let's say, fear for her life. Hua Fei does not seem to be a kind master. Um, let's see what happens. <laughs> Let's actually uh, present these two ladies and provide a little bit more information about them. Wulanala Yixiu, or Huang Ho, the empress, is empress to Yongzheng and his second official wife. She is related to the empress dowager and comes from the powerful Ula Nera clan. 
The Wula Nala clan is one of the main noble Manchu houses and has sent many females to be concubines in the imperial harem throughout the Qing dynasty. As the empress, she holds the power of the middle palace and controls the imperial harem. Basically, it is her job to manage the comings and goings of Hogong. She is portrayed here by Ada Choi, or Tsai Shaofen, who was most widely recognized for her Hong Kong TVB dramas. Though she was pretty famous previously, she gained critical acclaim in mainland China with this role. I will also say that Ada is from Hong Kong, so she speaks Cantonese. And um, when watching the version on YouTube, mainly it'll be in Mandarin, so her voice is dubbed. So if you see that sometimes the voice doesn't match her mouth, that's because of this. So the next character to introduce is Hua Fei. Hua Fei is her title, so she has the rank of consort, but Nian Shilan is her real name, and Hua Fei is portrayed here by Jiang Xin. She is the sister of Nian Kong Yao, and like we said, is introduced with the rank of consort which means that she controls her own palace quarters and is pretty much second in command at this point. She is the emperor's favorite and often shows it through displays of wealth and disregard for other women. Her real-life counterpart was actually one of the emperor's favorites, so that part is actually true to history. At this point, we've introduced most of the major players in the Forbidden Palace, Huang Shang, or the emperor, Tai Ho, the empress dowager, Huang Ho, the Empress, Hua Fei, the Emperor's favorite, and a few others. Let's now actually talk about our main character, Jin Huan. Jin Huan is portrayed by Sun Li. She is introduced as the eldest daughter of Jin Yuan Dao and is aged 17 at the start of this show. She is from one of the Han Army of Eight Banners, and her father is a member of the Court of Judicature and Revision which translates to Da Li Si Shao Qin, and is an upper fourth rank, which for all intents and purposes is modest but respectable, given that one, the first rank, is the highest title. As a daughter from a relatively prominent family at court, she is sent to the imperial concubine selection. As I mentioned, this is portrayed by Sun Li. She became an A-list actress. She won numerous awards for her portrayal of Jin Huan. Another character is Shen Meizhuang, who is portrayed by Lan Xi. Shen Meizhuang comes from a powerful family to the east, and we find out that she and Jin Huan are childhood friends. Both of these ladies, because of their family rank and titles, are going through the process for the selection. So the last scene we want to discuss, of course, is the selection, or Xuanxiu. This day, the selection is only for Han-bannered families. It is towards the end of the episode. We see all of the ladies lining up in their long Manchu gowns, pot-bottom-flowered shoes, and the coiffure, specifically called qi tou. This is different from Han dress, and the style must be worn in the palace at all times. And pretty much when you look at a drama, you look at the hair and the clothes, you know, this is Qing Dynasty and a palace drama. In this drama, what's interesting is that the ladies wore whatever outfits they wanted. 
Their hair was also unique to their own choosing. But this was actually not the case in history. The outfits and hairstyles were standardized. And also following people online for what they have noticed with their eagle eyes. Um, we have found that actresses wore outfits from other famous dramas as extras in this scene. Evidently, the production company or costume department of this drama was renting clothes from other productions since making these outfits aren't cheap. But it was pretty funny to see an outfit from another show that, you know, you may have loved and you're like, um, why is that outfit from that character popping up in the background here? And we actually did notice quite a few. So how does Xuan Xiu or the selection work? It's pretty simple, in this drama at least. Ladies from specific banners who are selected for this final round interview are presented to the emperor and the empress dowager in small groups. The emperor and empress dowager will evaluate you on a number of factors, obviously your beauty, your family line, among other things. If you are chosen to stay to be a concubine in the palace, you will be given a perfume sachet which is pretty much a pouch with perfume in it, and that's how people carried around perfume back in the day. Otherwise, you will be given a flower and sent home. The actual selection process is long and arduous. There are many levels of the selection going on across the empire. We only see the final selection at the Forbidden Palace to speed things up a bit. Only the ladies who have passed those other rounds are sent to the capital city. Of course, it is a huge honor to be given a perfume sachet. It elevates the status of your family to have produced a daughter worthy of the emperor. But I also think it's great that in this drama, even if you're the emperor, your mom still has a say in um, who you bring home. We next see a courtyard and the ladies are waiting to be called and presented. Chen Huan and Shen Meizhuang are catching up. And we are introduced to An Lingrong and Xia Dongchun. An Lingrong accidentally bumps into Xia Dongchun, who promptly yells at her. If you haven't gotten a flavor of how important your matrilineal line is, you get a taste of that here. The first thing Xia Dongchun demands is, what is your family? An Lingrong's father is a low-ranking official, and Xia Dongchun's father is much higher up. And upon learning this information, Xia Dongchun immediately starts reaming into the poor girl. She makes fun of An Lingrong's clothes, her jewelry, and as the ultimate insult, wants An Lingrong to kneel, or Xia Gui, to apologize. In Chinese culture, this is the ultimate humiliation. You only kneel to, for example, your family elders, higher-ranking officials, or obviously, the imperial family. Well, what's interesting in this scene is that the other ladies in the courtyard are considering whether or not they should help An Lingrong. They are hedging bets on who will be selected, and they really don't want to get on Xia Dongchun's bad side because they think that she has a higher probability of being selected. If that happens, she'll only get more powerful and may cause more trouble for the other ladies back at home. An Lingrong, on the other hand, doesn't seem like she poses much of a threat, and so the others are willing to see her get bullied. Obviously, Jin Huan, our heroine, goes up to help. We see in this scene that Jin Huan is a pretty smart girl. She points out to Xia Dongchun that it's not good to make a scene here. 
especially because today is a Han Banner Selection Day. It's not in Sad Lantern's favor to make the scene where it could turn out bad for all of us, including her father. Well, with that, Sadlantrin can't really say anything and walks away in a huff. This scene will come up later in future episodes, so keep in mind who did what in this scene. After Sadlantrin leaves, Jin Huan and Shen Meizhuang make introductions to An Lingrong. We see that Shen Meizhuang is more reluctant to make the acquaintance, but Jin Huan isn't worried. She notices that An Lingrong does not have many accessories, so she picks up a begonia flower, or a haitanghua, from a nearby bush and puts it in An Lingrong's hair, and even gifts her a pair of earrings for which An Lingrong is very grateful. After the scene in the courtyard, the ladies are called to be presented to Huang Shang and Tai Ho. What's funny is that the emperor's standards are incredibly high, and he pretty much dismisses almost everyone immediately, much to the chagrin of his mother. When An Lingrong is called to be presented, she is actually passed over. The emperor looked at her and was like, ugh, no. But An Lingrong sincerely gives her thanks. This surprises Tai Ho. Most girls, when being presented with a flower instead of a perfume sachet, are really upset. But An Lingrong is still showing gratitude. An Lingrong responds that it's because she's grateful to even had had the opportunity to come to the palace and meet Huang Sheng and Tai Ho. Tai Ho praises her for understanding etiquette. And then our TV magic happens with some really bad and fake CGI. A butterfly lands on the begonia flower that Jin Huan gave her and is now in her hair. This catches the eye of the emperor. And what does the emperor say? The emperor says, she already has a flower, so I don't think she needs another one. And because of that, she is given a perfume sachet. Ta-da! As the selection continues, the empress dowager becomes increasingly annoyed that the emperor, Yongzheng, isn't picking more ladies. So because of that, Yongzheng selects pretty much the next woman that pops up. And who is it? None other than the mean Xia Dongchun. He notes that her name is interesting. Why? Because Xia Dongchun literally means summer, winter, and spring. So, you know, that's interesting. She gets the perfume sachet and is absolutely over the moon about it. Yeah, this doesn't bode well for An Lingrong. <laughs> Next up is Shen Meizhuang and Jin Huan. Shen Meizhuang goes first. She is asked if she's read any books, and Shen Meizhuang, being the good daughter and taking advice from her mother, lies and only says that she's read Examples for Women, or Nu Zhe, and Advice for Women, Nu Xun. And yes, these were actual books that women were required to read. I will say that Shen Meizhuang just gives off an air that she's educated in addition to being poised and absolutely gorgeous. The emperor even asks her if she's read anything else, but she says no. She mostly knows sewing and other womenly things. He seems disappointed, but the emperor's dowager chimes in to say that they're picking ladies for the lineage. It's already great that you know how to read. Shen Meizhuang is selected to stay, but what's interesting here is that the Empress Dowager made this decision, not the Emperor. Now it's time for Jin Huan. 
Yongzheng asks her the origin of her name, to which she quotes the line, Huan Huan Yi Niao Chu Gong Yao, from a poem by a Song Dynasty poet, Cai Shen. This line basically describes a woman's figure that is feminine, graceful, and beautiful. Yongzheng is impressed. She's educated. So this doesn't go entirely with the whole we don't want educated ladies mindset. He tells her to lift up her head and dun dun dun. We hear ominous music and the episode ends. So that was the first episode of Hogong Zhen Huan Zhuan. What did you think? I mean, we just discussed a few of our favorite scenes. I think it really is interesting to kind of see the dynamics between um, characters in Hogong, not just the women, but you also see the dynamics between master and servant and also um, court plus mother-son dynamics and what Xuan Xiu looks like. Xuan Xiu or the selection has uh, been portrayed in several other dramas, but I think this is the first one that had more explanation on the background and, of course, you know, discussion on the various ranks. What I will say is some of the key characteristics here that you see being reflected, such as the fact that Shen Meizhuang was selected by the Empress Dowager to join the uh, to join Hou Gong. These things thread through the entire drama, and we will follow up and discuss this more in the future. And with that, thank you so much for listening to episode one of Chasing Dramas. We look forward to having you join us for episode two and beyond while we chase and discuss Hogong Jin Quan Chuan. Oh.